Welcome to Connected, a podcast with Jess. That's me. Connections are the secret to a whole life. Recognizing the connections between us and within us, mind, body, and soul, reveals the fullest potential of our humanity. Join me as I discover what connects us to each other and to ourselves. I am so excited to share with you a conversation with one of the most beautiful humans that I know. Carly Borden absolutely changed the trajectory of my life in the realm of running and healing my body as well as friendship. Carly is Um, probably one of the kindest souls that I know. She is so genuine, um, so um, intuitively um, minded, and she has uh, a gift that she is giving to runners all over the world. Uh, Carly is the owner and founder of the Public Run Club. She coaches her runners to um, not only, you know, meet some running goals and, and, uh, the, you know, performance goals, but she really challenges runners to, um, engage with their bodies on a very, uh, mindful and embodied, uh, level. Um, the practice of running is a full body experience when you, uh, run or are coached by, uh, run with or coached by Carly. Um, Carly and I get to have a conversation about, um, how we got connected and also how we can connect um, our bodies more holistically. Um, Running can be one of those disciplines and practices or even hobbies where we become so physically driven, goal driven, performance driven that we disconnect um, a bit and we um, can lose perspective of uh, how, what's around us, um, everything from sight and smell to, uh, listening to our bodies and what they need, um, while we're running. Uh, Carly was strategic in my process because after my second craniotomy, I realized that I was not going to be bouncing back into running in the way that I had known it previously. And so running and me had to learn to have a different kind of relationship and the words the um, experiences that I was hearing Carly or seeing Carly talk about on social media were challenging me to engage on a completely different realm. Um, So I wanted to share this conversation. I will also give you a little backstory. Um, Carly had um, been offering, at the time that I found her, she'd been offering a running, uh, embodied running retreat in Tanzania, Africa. And I landed on this um, literally like New Year's Eve, I think it was, of 2018, 2019. And the running retreat was scheduled for October of 2019. And I went on a journey to figure out how to get there, both with my body, 
with money, with time, with resources, all of it. And uh, the experience of, of 10 days in Tanzania with the women that I s- spent that time with was unbelievable. It was life-changing. It was it tapped into aspects of myself that I truly just did not know until that trip. I was challenged by all the women um, on that trip, and I hope to one day be able to, to share conversations um, with each of them with you on this podcast um, because they are all so um, uh, pivotal and and um, critical to my healing process um, after um, after my craniotomies. So I let's get started. I want to share this conversation with you. I hope it challenges you to think a little differently. I hope that you will reach out and follow uh, Carly, um, the Public Run Club, on social media because she's got uh, beautiful information that's coming out. If you are a runner or want to be a runner, being coached by Carly is a privilege and a beautiful experience. So I hope you will enjoy this podcast. Thank you. Thanks just for that intro. That was making me feel a little tender there. Um, Yeah, great. So I'm, maybe I'll just share um, yeah, a bit about, I guess, I was just writing up the Public Run Club mission statement, which has evolved so much, but it yeah. feels clearer now more than ever. Um, yeah, and really the Public Run Club is a community to help women untangle from a complicated relationship with exercise in their bodies. Mm-hmm. And it has evolved. I've, I started it about two and a half years ago when I was living in Austin, Texas. Um, and it started as a pretty, pretty normal running, <laughs> running club in that I would coach people towards their running goals. Um, most of the time those were race goals. Um, but after a few months of, of doing that, I found myself mostly helping people rearrange their schedule (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. and really seeing like from my vantage point, some really important conversations that could be had about the way they were motivating themselves or rewarding themselves or um, just in this all or nothing stop and go mentality Mm -hmm. with their training. So it evolved, it evolved, it evolved. Um, and now I'm offering programs and services that are really geared towards women who want to unpack. And like I said, untangle from the stories that we have about our bodies and how we interact with fitness or exercise or running, um, as a result of those stories that we carry. Mm. Yeah, and that comes from my own story too, which we can jump into. I don't know what point you want to well, jump into. Yeah. I mean yeah. I, I do wanna before we go there, because I mm-hmm. think um it's uh that this thought came to mind as you were talking and um when you talk about unpacking mm-hmm. um helping women unpack this um relationship that they have with their bodies. Um when I when I found you I didn't even know I had a complicated 
relationship with my body. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't see it that way, especially as a runner. You know, we we have this certain way that we approach running. um, And I think it's pretty, pretty common. We train, we kind of look at our bodies more in that machine mode. Like if I, if I do, you know, A plus B, I'll get C out of it. And not really realizing that some of the like hurdles that we come into with running have a lot more to do with uh, that relationship we have with our body. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm thinking that I, that you probably end up encountering a lot of women who don't even know it's complicated yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And did you, when did you feel like you clued in or, or like started realizing that, oh, this is complicated? Well, well, when I, <laughs> when I found you, um, it was actually through Hillary McBride posting mm-hmm. about the uh, embodied running retreat to Tanzania. Hey-o. Yeah, and um, <laughs> and I got I got really excited because I'm like uh, Hillary was somebody I'd been following and listening to for a long time, and really excited about her. And all of a sudden, she entered into this other part of my world, which was yes, running. okay. And mm-hmm. so the two got really exciting to me. And I had never made that connection between the work that Hillary did and my running life. Yes. And so when she brought those two together and posting about this retreat, I was like, "Uh, and it's Africa. Like, (laughs) check, check, check. Yes. (laughs) Right. Totally. So then um, that introduction um, to talking with you, all of a sudden I realized there was some conversation I was having with the runners that I was coaching um, that was a little bit similar to what you were doing or, or the language was, you were saying some things that I was identifying with, but mm-hmm. I wasn't making the connection for myself, honestly. Yeah. But interesting. Was, I was looking at it in terms of a coach. So, yeah. um, this is really yeah. good stuff that the runners that I'm working with need to hear. And I, mm-hmm. it just hadn't connected with me for a while. Yeah. I, 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 when I use the phrase, like I help women untangle from a complicated relationship with exercise in their bodies, a lot of women resonate with the complicated relationship with exercise, but, but not with the, with the body part, because I feel like, um, like you said, there's this idea. I don't, I don't, I just am not disciplined enough. It's not complicated. I'm just not, I just don't have self-control. Um, which is a very complicated thing, this idea that we need self-discipline or self-control as the way that we can or should relate to our body. That's really what we're looking at. Um, Why do we feel like we need self-control, self-discipline? Why do we have this lack of trust in our body, Um, especially as women and especially as athletes? Um, yeah, so I come across that a lot and it's, and, and so that's why I'm always trying to find language that resonates, um, that resonates with people because I think across the board, women have some women's experience with their body is colored in Mm. some way, um, by this complication of self-control, self-denial, self-punishment, self-discipline Yeah, and, and fitness is one of the weapons that we've been given as women <laughs> um, <laughs> to use against our bodies yeah. to either um, connect with a self of like a sense of control, a sense of autonomy, 
or um, a sense of like self-esteem in trying to shape it a certain way. Um, so it really is so loaded. So like I have yeah. a 14 week long program with daily lessons where we're unpacking these things. And that really is um, like just getting us started on this lifelong unpacking and rearranging and rewriting the stories of, of our bodies that we've been given. Well, I'm realizing as you're talking, I have like 10 different tangents that I want to go on because, yeah, awesome. <laughs> I, because it's like you said, it's, it can be so loaded and so layered, um, which is, I think, exactly what my journey was with you and then eventually with Hillary while we were in Africa as well. Um, so let's start um, with your story and why you yeah. got to that place that you felt this was something you needed to invest yourself into for other women. Yeah. Um, hindsight is always 2020, but I will try to speak to it in, in how I felt in the moment. Um, but I, um, I, I developed, um, disordered eating and exercise compulsion when I was in middle school. Um, and yeah, so food and fitness was a complicated space for me. And like I said, they were, they were weapons, but in my mind, they were tools, they were like my tools mm -hmm. to try to attain or achieve, um, to try to have control, just really clench down on my body using those weapons. Um, and that persisted until, um, until college and my family was falling apart. I was finally getting some distance and like coming up for air because I left the state for college and like halfway through college, I just realized I was having so many panic attacks. I was realizing that I just wasn't feeling the feelings. And I had the wherewithal to know my coping mechanisms were um, like rigidity with food and exercise. Like those things had helped me to date because they <laughs> helped me leave some very hard feelings. But they just basically had expired. Like the time was mm. up. I was too overwhelmed with the ways that my body was storing some pent up um, emotions. So I decided to like cold Turkey, I'm going to feel, I'm going to feel the feelings. So um, I stopped exercising and decided to get help. And um, the immediate help was all around establishing a new relationship with food probably mm. because that was the most the most urgent need <laughs> mm -hmm. of eating day to day um and that that was I I just stayed in that space for a long time with with running shelved ex all exercise shelved but um I remember when I was starting to feel good and like full of energy and wanting wanting to move from a new place and feeling so afraid that I didn't know how to do that. And I was just going to abuse my body like I had mm. before with exercise. So I was so afraid to step back into exercise because I had actually started liking myself and I didn't mm. want to hurt myself. Yeah. And I didn't know how to relate to myself in exercise. And so I started applying the things that I was learning with um, my relationship with food to how am I relating to exercise? 
Um, and a lot of that was just listening to my internal cues, which I had never done <laughs> in, mm. in working out. And I, I grew up playing soccer. I did cross country in college. I like my family is the family that goes to gyms during Christmas breaks sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> that is our, our lifestyle. And I had never started cluing into like the physical sensations or body cues in those spaces. Um, so slowly over time, it was, I guess, more and more aware to me, the parallel between food and fitness Mm-hmm. And the ways that both of those relationships were broken in me. And, um, and so I started running again and it felt so new and so amazing. And I ran my first marathon a few years after that. And I was so afraid at the beginning of like deciding to shoot for a goal of a marathon. Cause it was so big yeah. and I was afraid of being rigid and um, it was so fun. I couldn't believe that I had the capacity to experience myself and the sport of running in that very free in touch integrated way. Um, and yeah. So then um, yeah, there's so many threads yeah. to pull on to. Right. I know there's like the relationship with my body, there's a relationship with running, there's business ownership. Um, but I guess I'll skip to, yeah, my husband and I um, moved to Austin, Texas. And when I was there, I was a director of a school that taught software engineering to career changers. And it was a really intense boot camp style, like 60 to 80 hours of work each week for 12 weeks. Um, and I (laughs) realized in myself, even as the director, I was just trying to get people to run all the time. I was like, (laughs) it's going to be so great. Like everybody was in the space as career changers of reorganizing their sense Mm. of self. What are my values? What are my ability levels? What can I do? And, um, on top of like sitting for 60 to 80 hours, just coding, um, so eventually, and I'd been coaching friends and family on the side. For years, um, I decided to just put that front and center and I got Mm. certified as a running coach with the goal of starting a running club. So in 2018, I started the club um, and I started it all online. So I wanted to coach people remotely Mm. in part because I didn't want to be seen as like the accountability person of like show up to your runs I will tell you what to do and I will make sure you do it that's not the way I wanted to coach I wanted to coach people in how to coach themselves how to motivate themselves Mm. what what conjuring that up for themselves looked like so um I started that and kind of shared what that was like at first in coaching people towards their race goals Mm -hmm. um and why, yeah. why the choice uh, for your name, the Public Run Club? The Public Run Club, great question. Nobody's ever asked me that. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> because it's just generic enough. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to not make something that was elite. I didn't want to engage mm-hmm. in elitist sport. Like running is the most accessible sport yeah. on the planet. And I didn't want to bog 
it down in any way with, um, with, yeah, all that comes with the intimidation of being a runner. Yes, exactly. Like it's just so accessible, just shoes and a good sports bra. Right. and like, there's so much great information out there kind of like in the, let's just keep this simple. You don't even really need me. I'll be a guide if you'd like, but mm. you can totally do this. <laughs> so <laughs> making it, making it as like accessible as possible was what I wanted to do up front. Um, yeah, that's why yeah. I call it public run club. Yeah. I've actually always wondered that. And I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that probably is the first time I've asked yeah. you. I'm like, why? what was that? I couldn't remember if we had talked about it before. I know. But... It's just generic enough to like go fly under the radar. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I'm going to like time warp here for a second. But mm-hmm. um, when we were in Africa and we were at our, I think it was our second location mm-hmm. at the tents. Mm-hmm. Um and we were having so much fun as a group and we yeah. got, yeah, we got nicknamed by the staff as the public fun club. <laughs> yes. I was remembering that this week. I think cause I was paying attention to my volume. I was like paying attention to why I felt like I needed to be quiet um, huh. in, in certain parts of my neighborhood. So like paying attention to my noise. Why do I think this? And then I was remembering we got, <laughs> Hold off. We were just having so much fun one night. Yeah. And they called us. We we're like in the middle of a dance party and they called <laughs> us to please shut up. I think <laughs> basically what it translated to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we yeah. forgot we were intense. I know. We were. You know. That was it's a public fun club. It's yeah. so true. <laughs> <I love that. laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, you know, the, the interesting thing about, um, about your approach to running is it really, in one way, it makes all the sense in the world. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, it kind of flies in the face of the way we know how to have a relationship with running. Mm-hmm. Um, when I came uh, into your world, my gauge for how I was doing as a runner all sat within my Garmin. You know, it was data, you know, it was paces, it was heart rate, it was all the metrics that I could possibly get out of that little watch. And that is how I evaluated myself as a runner. And then in comparison, obviously, to the runners around me, um, whether you were competing or training for something, what was my pace, it needs to get faster. Like, it got to this point where I remember thinking to myself, um, multiple times, particularly when I was training for um, my 70.3. Yes. And that was, wow, I feel incredibly empowered because I can tell my body what to do. Like that that ownership of if I just give it a plan, I can make it do what I want. It felt very like I kept thinking of my body like a machine. Mm-hmm. Like if I put this into it, I'm going to get this out of it. Yeah. And um and there was something that was, like I said, like empowering about that, like you, this the control that you had, mm-hmm. but it always felt like it was um, almost like a, a facade um, of control. 
You know, at any point in time, I knew my body had the potential to break. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, something doesn't go right. Something shuts down. Um, If I don't do the nutrition right, if I, you know, all these pieces had to come together for that machine Mm -hmm. to work um, the way that I was expecting it to for my outcome. Um, And I came to running to lose weight. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a way to control a metabolic disorder. And so this felt really good. Like I was finally in control of my body and I was seeing the results um, on a weight level that I was hoping to see. And then I had discovered this ability to do something I'd never done in my life before. Mm -hmm. Um, But when the body decides it has a different story to tell, um, that interaction has to change. We can't, it's not sustainable. And I think that that was where I landed with you. Um, we were working on a way to get your message and relationship about um, bodies and running. And I particularly was hoping for it for new runners, that they had this amazing new mindset as they approached running that was loving and caring and supportive of themselves um, rather than what I had learned, which was um, push it harder, push it harder, push it harder, uh, just get to the finish line no matter what it takes, no matter what you break in the process. Yeah. And um, so I was really hopeful. We, wor- we worked on some, um, some opportunities for you to connect with our runners here in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that process, my body was not doing what yeah. it, had, it used to do. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up signing up for, uh, I think it was a spring challenge you had. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember starting out the weeks with these you would start them with like a Monday mantra mm-hmm. and, um, and you encouraged the training plans at that time for that group, but you know, you may be doing something different right now, but at that time it was, uh, I was supposed to run based on how I felt. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? <laughs> I, I'd never, honestly, I don't think I'd taken the time to listen because mm-hmm. if I did, I might have to stop. Like I might have to do something about that thing that I feel. And as a runner, if you're going to meet your goal, we often have this, this, um, agenda that I, I have to push pain aside. I have to push feeling aside because I'm going to go get this goal. So for you to ask me to pay attention to what I was feeling in that run and process that, um, it was literally stopping me in my tracks. Like I, yeah, yeah. Am I the only one of your runners that no, does that? No, no, no. That, I mean, that is like a very big ask of me <laughs> from, to, for someone who it feels new to because so many, I mean, not just in running, but so, so much of our day-to-day is propelled by external cues especially, Mm -hmm. especially with food and fitness, like eat this many calories at this meal at this time, run this many miles at this pace at this time. Like it's all external cues that move us along the day. So to stop and, and think about not to think about, to stop and feel the Mm -hmm. sensations of your body can be so scary it can feel so foreign it can be like what the hell are you talking about listen to your body what does that even mean Um, it feels very personally vulnerable yeah like um 
I know that a lot of us come to running as a bit of a stress relief. Like we get rid of that, you know, mangled mess that's going on in our head. We run it off. We feel a little better. We put those endorphins back in our body. And it's sort of a, um, like a pseudotherapy. Like you sort, you feel like you have dealt with something, but actually you've just kind of burned its energy off rather than actually what you were asking us to do is to stop and feel what we were feeling. And I was actually surprised that depending on where I was in life and what I was processing through, um, sometimes that was highly emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, other times it was absolutely exhilarating. Like, oh my gosh, I really, I actually feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hadn't allowed myself permission to enjoy that feeling and running yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so amazing. And also like, good job. Because it's such a, it's such a practice and it is such a, um, such a task that we need to be willing enough or hopeful enough or trusting enough that it's good, that it is Mm -hmm. good. And I think, um, yes, running is so beautiful to me because of the ways that it, it does and can transform our understanding of what's possible for us, like running, like running the Ironman, completing the Ironman, completing a marathon, completing, like all Mm -hmm. of these race goals are not bad at all. Like really Mm -hmm. big, they're really big events that matter. Um, But I think an important follow-up question when we think about our race goals is, Um, or even as we're in the middle of training towards these goals is at what cost? It's like, at Mm -hmm. what cost do I want to complete this or run this, this fast or all of that jazz? Um, because if we're training, like we're robots, it's going to come at a great cost, Mm -hmm. um, to either our bodies, like we'll run ourselves into the ground, um, with injuries or with our sense of self, like we just miss out on so much when we just think we're a robot that's going to be transformed and like feel better about ourselves by getting a certain time or completing a certain race at the end of this, as opposed to, um, I think, I think runners, myself included, like we sign up for goals because we want we want to feel a certain way. So we talk about this in the club and we always like condense it to three words of how you want to feel. Um, And even with a big, even with a big race, even with Ironman or the marathon, even with the 5k, like how, why are you signing up for this? Mm -hmm. Um, And most of the time it's because you want to feel a certain way about yourself. Yeah. Which is a great thing to connect with. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a great, it's a great, thing to have in the forefront of your mind to understand your own motivation and it's a great thing to connect with day to day like oh you want to feel calm and accomplished like how can you feel that each day as opposed to think you're magically going to feel that way once you cross the finish line like right what other things can you do day to day so that your calmness and sense of accomplishment is not hinging on your performance Mm -hmm. um yeah it's so loaded. All of it is so loaded. <laughs> it is. Um, I, you know, I was thinking, um, you know, f- for me, um, 
to tackle the 26.2 distance, mm-hmm. it was, I remember saying, um, if it doesn't scare me, it's not a big enough goal. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, I, <laughs> I'm an Enneagram six. So fear and anxiety are a big part of, of my makeup. Mm-hmm. And so running these goals that were, that seemed impossible for me at the time, I, I felt I'm realizing now looking back were ways of me coping through another issue in my life, which mm-hmm. was how to overcome fear, how to overcome anxiety. So yeah. if I put this very physical thing in place, um, that physically scared me, like, I don't know if I can accomplish this. Um, there was an empowerment about, uh, tackling fear and anxiety yes. through that. Um, yeah. But I always sucked at the race day. Like it, they, I have terrible race days. It's like a, it's almost a joke around here that um, I just need to train for these things, not put the race on the calendar and not race because it's show up one day. <laughs> ready to go. Yeah, uh, I know I can do it. I've trained for it. But, you know, um, but I know that if I didn't at that time, if I hadn't put the race on the calendar, mm-hmm. um, it wouldn't have intimidated me enough to get there. So when. When I come across to you and you're saying, but is there another reason to run? Um, do you have another feeling about running than, um, than you know, conquer self? Mm-hmm. And um, I remember there was, a, there was one week and the mantra was, um, this is my body, this is my home. Mm-hmm. And it was something you asked us to contemplate as we did our runs that week. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I, I messaged you or something and I was like, yeah. this has got me all hung up. This is not working for me. Mm-hmm. Like the, the idea I had, I was so um, fragmented from my uh, craniotomies and all the surgery, you know, the, the changes in my body from yeah. that um, to not bouncing back, not having the energy, not just doing the things that I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, just putting a training plan in front of me was not resulting in the outcomes I was used to it resulting in. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of this is my body, this is my home, it was, uh, it was something I don't think I wanted to accept. Mm-hmm. I didn't want this to be my home because yeah. it didn't feel like what it used to feel like. Um, I couldn't, ask what I used to ask of it and get the same result. So it felt foreign. I felt like I was in a place that I wasn't supposed to be. And when your mantra was asking me to make this home, it was, um, it like, (laughs) it brought up all kinds of stuff for me, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that, I remember too, we, or maybe this was on the retreat, but we slowed to contemplate each word in the phrase. I do remember that. I remember exactly where we were. (laughs) Um, And I think we, it was right before we did a really uphill run. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It might've even been our first run in. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Um, But it was such a, honestly, Carly, it was such a spiritual Mm -hmm. moment when you took us through that mantra that way. Um, Like all, all the just, like physically feeling it in your whole body to go through each word that way was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that, and that was so interesting because this is like part of the, the, my main program now. Um, so we go, this is my body. This is my home. This is my body. 
this is my home. This is my body. This is my home. This is my body. And we emphasize each word as we go through it. I still get chills. I know (laughs) it is so powerful. Um, and yeah, um, each word, or I guess in the past, different runners connect with different words Mm. like this, that is, the is was so powerful to me this week. This is my body. Um, or this is my mm. body, yeah. like having a sense of ownership. ownership. So like even connecting with just some of the individual words of the phrase can be so powerful. And I think, um, yeah, I think that can be such good news to people. That phrase can feel like such good news like, this is my body. This is my home. I have a home. Mm-hmm. And to some people in different seasons too, it yeah. can feel like terrible news because we're not feeling what it, what it means in our mind that this mm-hmm. is my home and, and how defeating and deflating that can feel um, when we're used to treating our body like a project to yeah. improve. And a project that reflects our sense of self um, and reflects to others um, our sense of like self-esteem or worthiness. Mm-hmm. If, if we just sit still and say, this is it, that can, that can kick up a lot. <laughs> that can kick up a lot. Yeah. yeah. And, and at the same time, it has been an incredibly um, healing process like you were mm-hmm. talking about is to... Um, for me, I had to celebrate what my body had, um, endured and, um, how it came out the other side, you know, that it was, that it was a miracle or that it was, um, you know, all the things that were success out of my surgeries, um, Mm -hmm. because it's really easy to look in the mirror and say that face doesn't look the same. Um, that nerve doesn't work the same. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, that, it's easy to compare to what it used to be, but to, um, I think the time that we had in Africa was a time to, um, celebrate right where we were at with our body, which was another crazy (laughs) layer for me because (laughs) I, I had gotten myself, I'd done so much, uh, physical therapy and massage and everything prior to the trip to try and even make it, you know, on the trip. Mm -hmm. And then I show up sick. (laughs) I know. And the I was chest cold. Oh, yeah. And it was, uh, and I found out it's not Corona just in yeah, case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, which I, there was part of me that was, uh, you know, silently hoping maybe it was, and I was already past all this, but yeah. it wasn't. Um, but the, then coming there was this, uh, uh, you know, the first couple of days I thought it was jet lag and, and then I just was getting worse and I was getting worse. And every run, every step just felt incredibly hard. And I thought, I'm, I got myself here. Like, I was ready yeah. for this. What happened? Yeah. And it was this nether layer of um, not being angry at my body for showing up to this thing I'd spent nine months planning and it, my body fail me. Like, yeah. that's what it felt like is like it just, it, it didn't do what I told it it was going to do while we were right. here. What were you do? Do you remember like how you were trying to reframe that or like connecting with that piece as it was coming up? 
Um, it was, it, you know, it was honestly so loaded. And I know that I could put this in the same um, space as a run with a run club locally, like when you show up and there's all levels of runners. So I, I know this could be relatable on the in the real world outside of our trip to Africa. But for me, it was one, um, I knew I was the oldest person in our group. Mm-hmm. So there was already this like expectation that I had on myself to not act the oldest person, okay. you know, to not run like the oldest person in the group. Right. Um, and then, uh, the other was, um, not wanting to hold anyone back. Mm-hmm. Like I did not mm-hmm. want to sabotage that. anybody else's experience on these runs because I was struggling and mm-hmm. it took me a while to realize why I was struggling. At first I just thought, uh, what the hell's going on with me? Right. And when right. I finally realized it was, you know, I was sick, there was a little bit of grace that you know, I could give myself in that. But, um, but I remember one, one of the runs I had communicated to everybody that I was really concerned. I didn't want to hold anybody back. I didn't want anybody to stop and walk with me or run slower with me. I just want everybody to have their own run and Mm -hmm. I would have my own run. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I remember that first run, it was after that mantra, um, Hillary was running with me and the rest of you were pretty, pretty far ahead, and I was just struggling. It was an all uphill run on top of that, so mm-hmm. like it was double whammy yes. for me. <laughs> and um, and I looked at her and I said, "You know what? Why don't you just go ahead and run with them? I'll be fine. I know where we're going. It was out and back, and I'll be fine." And um, she looked at me and she says, "What if I want to run here?" <laughs> so good. And, <laughs> and um, and I just I Aww. I remember really um. I, I don't know if I've ever actually had therapy on a run before, <laughs> but when you run with Hillary, sometimes it happens. Um, but I, I really trying to process all these expectations mm-hmm. that I had of myself um, being there with um, everyone who also had their own expectations of what their trip was. We mm-hmm. spent a lot of money and time to get there. Yeah. And you, everybody has something at stake, right? You have an expectation or an experience, um, at least in part. Um, and I, for me, it was an expectation of what my body was going to be able to do on that trip. Mm -hmm. And when it was failing me as how I was seeing it at the time, Mm -hmm. then, um, it was that part for me was highly discouraging. Like, um, and it ended up being, you know, a part that I had to kind of process and work through the entire trip. So, and I remember it was so, it was such an important, it uncovered such an important conversation for all of us too. um, in talking about the ways that we quash our bodies knowing in order to belong. Yeah. (laughs) And, and that, that, is so evident in running communities and in running groups and even the like Wednesday night meet up like Mm -hmm. in what ways am I am I disembodying am I disconnecting am I ignoring my body in order to belong in a way that I think I need to belong and so hearing hearing Hillary say what if I want to stay here was probably so, so nice, probably so foreign to think of, Oh, somebody's just running at this pace because they want to be with me Mm -hmm. is 
not how we run usually. No. Um, but, but like open the door for you to start just feeling again of like, not, not quashing those feelings of mm-hmm. I need to go down. I need to take a breath. I need to just stop. And, and the follow-up of that is how do we talk to ourselves about ourselves when we are doing yeah. something different from the group? Like, yeah. oh, you piece of shit, why aren't you going faster? Right. How are we talking to ourselves as opposed to just like, oh, yeah, this is all uphill and I'm at very high elevation. I also think I'm sick. I'm going to stop. That's very different than berating ourselves because of our bodies knowing. Well, and I think it was in that process and we're, you know, we were in a concentrated environment and we had things that we were focusing on, mm-hmm. um, conversation and location and all of those things. There was, it was very specific, right? But it gave me the opportunity to really work through that exact thing because when I start having that negative self-talk that yes, you're not fast enough, you're not young enough, you're, um, you didn't lose enough weight before the trip, you, whatever it, it, the, the issue was that was processed, that I was processing. And of course, once you start those, you kind of, you know, you find lots of them, lots of those self, um, hurt conversations really. And, um, and I realized how much we'd get done with a run, how much it was transforming into my other securities, you Mm. know, um, uh, everything from comfort to should I actually relax? Should I, you know, should I allow myself to step in or out of the group? Should I have conversation? Should I not have conversation? Like you, you, you don't just leave it in the run, right? You start to work it out in your entire being. And it helped me to identify that I actually do that at home when I go and run with people. Mm -hmm. So if I have a really great, I feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm going to, I'm going to give my, you know, a game today when I go out on that group run, it's not a race, it's just a group run, but the pressure, you know, to run faster than maybe you normally do or um, stronger and uh, realize that, that it was forming how I was then perceiving um, myself in other areas of my life. That uh, insecurity or confidence level, whichever it might have been, was directly interacting with the rest of my life. So when we were in Africa making that connection that I had allowed um, my expectations and experience in social running to uh, start to paint the story of me mm-hmm. um, without my permission. Yeah, yeah, that is a huge thing. <laughs> that is a huge thing to uncover too, which is what another thing that I love about running is, and I always use the phrase, like it can be this arena that we use to either perpetuate self-limiting beliefs that we Mm -hmm. already think about ourselves or to start cultivating new beliefs that we want to uncover in Mm -hmm. ourselves. It's like you said, it's never just about running. It would be so Mm -hmm. nice if things were... (laughs) compartments like that but that's why I love like so what else can we be practicing in running then like can it be not just about performance if it really is this arena can it be about self-kindness can it be Mm -hmm. about um my sense of belonging to myself can it be about me connecting with nature Mm -hmm. can it be about yeah it can we can like choose what we want to be practicing in that space and we'll see it 
improve in that space and then also very much outside of running also. I remember when you came to Spokane, you took mm-hmm. our runners on, it was like a, I don't know what, I can't remember what you called it, but it was a sensory run where we, yes. we paid attention to all of our senses at different times. So only really focusing in on what we see, what we smell, mm-hmm. and then focusing in on what we feel and, and really allowing ourselves a short burst of running to isolate that particular sense in our body. Mm-hmm. And um, after doing that, I've realized when I go back to running, walking, any kind of exertion, um, and I get caught up in that language with myself, mm-hmm. I will stop and go, what do I see? What do I hear? Love that. Yeah. I will get, just get out of the, the, the chaos of my brain yeah. and focus on what is actually physically happening around me instead. And it yeah. is so, um, it's so decompressing, mm-hmm. but it's, it grounds and centers back to, okay, you know, this isn't why we're out here. Right. And it lets, it's, that's such a great practice. It just lets you, um, experience, <laughs> experience a thing mm-hmm. with your, like the ways that we experience the world and our reality is through our senses. So like, how can we just give our senses more of our attention? Mm-hmm. And I remember that run, it, that was, there were like 40 people there, really wide range Oh yeah, of of experience and paces. I remember I probably ran like 10 miles. Go ahead and start. I'm going to run back to the end. Um, yeah. And how, how I remember feeling intimidated to like present that um, exercise to your group of um, like hard going athletes. I know there were some hard going uh-huh. athletes in the group because yeah. It can feel so soft to the athletic mind. It can feel so woo-woo or, yeah, soft. Um, But it is such an incredible invitation to descend into your body. And Mm -hmm. my performance always, always um, increases when I'm actually in my body. And then I'm able to actually have my mind and body connected Mm -hmm. as opposed to just having a disembodied mental Mm -hmm. thought going run. Yeah. (laughs) My mind and body are connected and I'm on a run and my mind and body are talking to each other and we're staying positive and we're noticing and I'm a full body running as opposed to a head. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. So tell me why, um, why Africa why did why did you put this together? What what was the um, the motivation or the purpose for you doing that particular thing? Because that's that's a above and beyond what you do. I mean, you're taking that online platform and moving it mm-hmm. to a locale um, and an experience that was um, quite extravagant in this in the mm-hmm. terms of we're not just you know, texting back and forth were, yeah. you know, so interconnected 24 seven. And so what was, what was the motivation, the purpose, the, the passion behind that? Yeah. So, um, I wanted an in-person event. I wanted several days to go into depth with each other. Like I wanted it to feel, um, like 
there was time and space to actually kick up some things and connect with some things and really rearrange some sense of self. Um, and then um, Tanzania. So my husband is from East Africa and we, um, after college, we started a small safari company and we took 20 somethings out there and just basically played really hard, (laughs) um, which was incredible. Most of the people who attended were in this like self-selected transition, um, who are wanting to, um, connect with beautiful land, beautiful people, and really expand their sense of self and, and what they thought was available to them. So, um, yeah, so he, he always, in his back pocket has like safari tour operator (laughs) um, as one of his goals or he'll just keep coming back to that. He's really great at it. And so we always talk about how beautiful it is to be in the traveling space with people. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had talked about doing running, running trips and how incredible it would be to do a running safari and that stuck with me for years. I, each time we go visit his family, I just want to be running and pointing out everything to everyone. And I want everybody to be there running. Um, and, um, yeah, so he decided to pull a trip together, um, with Hillary really to look at, um, again, how can we untangle from a complicated relationship with exercise in our bodies? And I think turning towards nature is mm-hmm. one of the best ways we can do that. And stepping outside of our own culture <laughs> to yeah. see that there is no ultimate truth, that the stories we're, we're given are culturally constructed. And when we can see that they're constructed, we can see who is constructing them and we can see if we want to participate. Um, And so like expanding our worldview, especially in terms of um, thinking about bodies and the value of bodies and who says what's valuable and what's not valuable Mm. um, can be so empowering (laughs) once we return um, to our home and think about how do I want to be different? How am I different? Because I've seen another way of doing something. Um, and then, and then I personally, I just made a trip that I would want to do. (laughs) I love contrast. That is like one of my favorite elements. And we did rough and tumble and we did Gigi and it was the contrast also like paying attention to how am I in rough and tumble? How am I feeling in Gigi? And, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I know that, um, you know, someone who uh, was not in any part of the planning and you arrive and uh, one, you know, you're going to see something spectacular because it's Africa and we're expecting to go on a safari. I mean, there's certain things you just know are going to happen, but I don't think any one of us expected what we got um, in the experience of Africa. And we, we got that extremely local um, experience with Simon um, in our first location and um, we got, I remember when we walked into, um, and I'm already forgetting the names of locations, but um, 
when we got to the tent city, you were yeah, telling, uh, not tent city. Um, yeah, we, you were yeah. like, we're going to stay in tents at the next one. You didn't tell us what we were doing each yeah. step of the way, which yeah. was just brilliant. <laughs> um, but I remember when we, we had no idea what we were going to see. The terrain of each place we went oh was completely gosh, yeah. different. Um, the experience was completely different. I feel like I saw like three or four different Africas while we were there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the levels of um, accommodations had changed with each one. And we were just breathtaking the whole time. Like it, it was, it, it's, Africa is this, this, uh, it's all full of these, like, uh, what do you call them? Um, contrasts, like you said, mm-hmm. um, where we would walk in and there was this, you know, people handing you beet juice and um, warm washcloths. And when you're done traveling and um, swimming pools that overlook the landscape, you know, and yet at the same time, this incredibly simple life. Mm-hmm. Um and it was, uh, I think you're right, it, the, it, it provoked so much in each one of us um, to experience these contrasts mm-hmm. um, and to be able to, you know, run the terrain was, you know, who can yeah. say that? Not many people run yeah. Africa. But. Oh my gosh. And I think, yeah, and I think that's something that, that we don't have to go to Africa um, to do, but like, I deeply believe and we did an exercise on this too, but paying attention to what aspects of landscape are standing out to us mm-hmm. um, and realizing that there's something there for us and connecting with that. Like not everybody is stopping to look at this flower that has you absolutely captivated right. or, or the smell of the rain or something like paying attention to what in nature is moving you even out your front door um, is such yeah. a, is such a entryway into mm. one, how to experience your body or like this invitation to have an experience <laughs> in the moment with one of your senses, but also that there's usually some sort of like lesson or encouragement for us yeah. in, um, in what's drawing us. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So what do you have up your sleeve for the future? What I know with uh, Uh, COVID, this has changed um, some of the things that you had planned for June. Um, But what, what are you currently doing now? And what, what are you dreaming about for the future? Yeah. So um, I'm in the spring intuitive runner program right now. Um, We're a month in. So um what the public run club looks like right now is um, basically this this core training that we do, um, which is such a good way to start. And it's called the Intuitive Runner Program. And it's 14 weeks long. Um, and we've started it live. Like we do it as a live group, meaning we start on the same day and we end on the same day. So we're kind of mm-hmm. moving through it um, as a community because so much of the the transformation is being witnessed and witnessing others connecting with um certain prompts or topics but yeah since I am I'm trying to figure out how to to take maternity leave Mm. um and so um and and I figured this was would probably be an actually really good format for some people so I'm 
the the intuitive runner program will be available as a self-paced option. I know sometimes showing up to a circle of women to talk about bodies can be so unappealing or intimidating too. So, um, so that could be really great for somebody who wants to just be working at their own pace mm-hmm. through the training and through the lessons. So, um, yeah, so starting in May this month, um, I'll have the option of, of self-paced intuitive runner program. Um, and then I also have, um, three workshops with Hillary, um, this month, which is really great. And we're talking about the metrics of a good run and how those have been shaped. And if we want to reshape them to better serve us, um, yeah, our Whistler retreat, we canceled that, um, which is a big bummer, but hopefully, um, we'll be able to host that next year. Yeah. So much, <laughs> yeah. so much unknown out there. It's I kind, know. Of, kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, and you guys still have room for your workshops or we are don't. they closed? You're They're closed. closed. Out. Yeah. We were just going to, we were just going to host one and it sold out within an hour. So we did another one and it sold out. We did a third one and it sold out. So, um, yeah. So the best way to stay afloat, if you're interested in the program or any online retreats, that we have coming up, um, is through Instagram. We post everything on Instagram. Um, but also as soon as, um, like mandatory lockdown started, um, I made the first two weeks of the intuitive runner program free for anybody who's, um, in the space of feeling like the complications have heightened Mm. for them or they were wanting to start running and, and, want to know how or why. So, um, they can also, if anybody listening wants that, that's on uh, my Instagram as well. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I know that just even, even following, uh, you, um, on a, you know, on a daily or a, you know, on a social media basis, Mm -hmm. um, there's so much great stuff that you are putting out in, um, in helping people to reframe how we think, Mm about, um, our bodies and exercise. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I think, you know, one of the things that keeps getting talked about and working really hard to not use that phrase that your husband was um, talking about, um, uh, oh, now I've just forgot it as it, (laughs) as it went on my head, um, in, in a time. Such a time oh, as this. Now earth. more than more ever. Than, now more than yeah. ever. Yeah. See, I've already see, said that once on this call. <laughs> I heard myself say it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, once he, once he put that ever. out there on Instagram, <laughs> I was like, I laugh every time um, because now it's like, you know, blaringly loud yes. as it people say it. But um, he, this is an opportunity to look at what what our new normal looks like. And an opportunity to maybe reframe how we've um, interacted and had a relationship with um, exercise, um, running specifically. Um, I know that my experience um, socially with Public Run Club, mm-hmm. um, there there is a social aspect to it. So just because it's an on- online platform, mm-hmm. um, it's it feels very supported. And um, oftentimes I find that other people are thinking the same thing that I'm thinking they're going through the same um, mental uh, hurdles that I'm going through. Mm. And we don't often talk about that in um, in the running community. We talk about mm. things on a far more physical level, um, paces and um, 
hydration and nutrition and things like that. But to have a a space where we are actually talking about um, a deeper level of our connection with ourselves, um, I I found to be um, incredibly supportive. Um, And so this is a good time for for looking at a different relationship with ourselves um, moving forward. We've had to, and nothing is the same. You know, nothing... um, my husband and I joke, we're two very different uh, people. He's a touchy feely person and I am not. So social distancing is like heaven for me right now. (laughs) And for other, other people I know, it's a a real um, loss in their life. Um, So we're all reframing how we interact um, with ourselves and interact socially. So I think this is a great opportunity to, to begin rethinking some of those things. If you haven't been down that road yet. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saying that too. I think so. I think so. Also it, um, even just in terms of how looking at how do we regulate ourselves? How do we regulate our stress? Um, what do we do when we're feeling anxious? Do we not have those things available to us? So everything's heightened. Um, yeah, everything is so heightened in this time and we have, we have far fewer, resources to help us and also maybe far fewer resources to distract us. So if we let it, like you said, I think it could be an incredible time um, to, to reorganize. That's the word I keep coming back to. Like it's just a lot of self reorganizing going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's okay to find uh, new spaces of ourselves um, to interact with, um, it's really easy to, um, to get into such a mode of our regular routines every day. And we just become very linear. And, um, I think this is an opportunity to become more, um, embodied, um, Mm -hmm. with ourselves. Um, which was a word I did not know until you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That's how Hillary Hillary and I crossed. Basically, yeah. what, like was um, I was hosting a retreat in a, a public run club retreat in Ojai in like two two years ago, right after I started the public run club, and it was called the Embodied Runner Retreat, and we we're using writing and running to start. Oh yeah, um, using our voice and practicing embodiment, and someone's like, "Oh, embodiment! I just listened to a podcast. You should listen to it." Um, and I did, and then the rest is history. <laughs> and then we connected <laughs> after that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the word, the word is such a nice invitation. It is. Yeah. 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 Well, um, I'm excited to see um, the adventures ahead for our Public Run Thank Club. You. Thank you. And, um, and I'm just so incredibly grateful that, um, that I found you. That um, not just because I went to Africa, which was amazing, but um, it was transformative thinking, a different way to interact with my body that isn't about meeting one particular goal, but is on an ongoing relationship with myself. Mm -hmm. Um, Tools, um, ways of thinking that I continually come back to um, as I need them. And I think the the greatest thing that I took away from this experience with you um, and with Hillary um, on the retreat was uh, listening to 
my body. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I had to stop what was being said in my head and just mm-hmm. listen to what was being said in my body. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the pathway for my body to physically heal was to be able to wow. to actually listen. Yeah. Um, so as I find myself, you know, coming across new health hurdles or new, you know, life circumstances, um, different types of um, or levels of trauma in life, this is where I come back to. Mm-hmm. What is my body saying? I'm. Um, what am I feeling? Where am I feeling at, it at? Um, what does it need? And that I think, even when I don't want to admit it, is the this is my body. This is my home. Mm-hmm. It's the caretaking of what is good, um, and being reminded that it needs me to caretake it. Mm-hmm. It needs me to. Uh, to be kind, as you said earlier, mm-hmm. um, it's yeah. a game. It's a game changer. I think we actually oh, yes. treat our communities differently too. When we're treating ourselves, we've been having this conversation regularly in our home, um, as we interact with all the variations of how we should be handling um, shelters in and COVID mm-hmm. and all of that. And we keep coming back to this um, conversation of self-respect that when we begin to respect ourselves, we can actually begin to respect the community around us. Um, Mm -hmm. But if we don't have that kind of relationship with ourselves, it's really hard to engage um, respectfully and kindly um, around us. Um, Mm -hmm. But you have been a gift in, um, in my life. And um, so I just, I just had to share you with the rest of my world. Thank you so much for those incredibly kind words. I feel so moved that I got to play any part in your like very intentional journey. And yeah, I feel very honored to, to know you and to be in friendship with you. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, we will, um, uh, I will make sure that all of your resources and things are in our show notes so that anybody wants to get in touch with you, they will be there. Um, as well as in our, you know, social media posting of the podcast. So, so thank you. And um, thanks so much, Jess. Thank you for listening. And may you keep connecting all the beautiful parts of you. I believe stories matter. That's why I'm doing this podcast I want to share stories from women all over the world with you. I want you to be inspired, encouraged, motivated, challenged. I want you to tell your story too. If you'd like to hear more about my story, you can visit my website, jessicatravis.com. I've shared a great deal of it in my blog, as well as in my shared podcast with my husband called Sacred Spaces. Both of those can be found at my website. You can also follow me on Instagram and on Facebook. Thank you.